Today, as I get into the Word of God, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever told anyone who was close to you and who was messing up their life in one way or another, you need to straighten up your act? Anybody here ever said that to anybody else? Oh, yeah. Now, you guys all know I'm from Louisiana. And so one of the things that Cajuns like to do is they like to tell Boudreaux jokes. That's my community. I've got Boudreaux in my family. My granddad was Clarence Potan Falk, world champion duck and goose caller. So if you're visiting with us today, I just want you to know this is kind of our culture. I'm talking about mine. And I won't laugh at yours, but I'll laugh at mine and I'll let you do it with me. Careful, though, if you go tell this joke. No, <laughs> I'm, I'm not being serious there. Boudreaux and Thibodeau were working on a house. And you got to correct some things sometimes, right? Thibodeau was nailing down siding and would reach into his nail pouch and pull out a nail. And he'd either toss it over his shoulder or he would nail it in to the siding. Boudreaux who was the foreman on the job, kept watching him finally when he couldn't stand it anymore. He went over and he asked, he said, hey, Tip, he said, what in the world are you doing, man? He said, why are you throwing away all them nails? And so Thibodeau said, said, my shy, he said, if I pull a nail out of my nail pouch and it point toward me, I throw it away because it's defective. If it point toward the house, I'm, then I nail him in. And Boudreaux got really upset and said, Shy, you don't know what them nails is for. Them nails pointing towards you ain't defective. They're for the other side of the house. Amen. <laughs> you just need a little direction sometimes to get things straightened out, right? Okay. And so you probably straightened some folk out in your life and told people near you that you loved. You need to get your act together. I want to ask you, have you ever told your kids you need to straighten up? Amen. Yeah, need to straighten up. I bet you weren't talking about their physical posture either. Or have you ever looked in the mirror and said to yourself, I need to straighten up my act? Whether that applies to your relationships or your finances or even your eating habits, we all have been there and needed to self-correct. And get things straightened up. In this series that I have been in on prayer, I've talked about the power of prayer to change your space, your situation, and a number of other things. The power of prayer to change your season. I spent some time with the prayer of Jabez. I finished that. I want to talk today from this subject, the power of prayer to change yourself. Now, when they put that up on the screen, I want you to notice that it is intentionally hyphenated. I said when they put it up on, there we go. No, who's back there? Uh-uh, okay. All right, it's the power of prayer to change yourself. Okay, amen. There you go, you see it? Yourself, I've deliberately hyphenated. I realize that's not correct English, but I did it simply because of the acrostic that I'm following. Power of prayer to change your season, your space, and your situation. You can also change yourself. I want to look at an extraordinary passage of scripture, Luke 13. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues, one of the synagogues. Remember the house of God is supposed to be called what? A house of, for all nations. 
He was in the, on the Sabbath in a synagogue, a house of prayer. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over. And I want to emphasize this and could in no way raise herself up. Have you ever been in a situation where you couldn't straighten it up? A conflict in your family, you could not straighten it up. The more you dealt with it, the worse it got. Your finances got so messed up, you couldn't straighten them up. Your relationship with God, it seemed like you got so off track, you couldn't hardly find your way back. You couldn't hardly straighten it up. This is what the scripture said. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him. And I believe God is calling to people in this building today. This is going to be an extraordinary season as we continue to fast and pray. And he called her and he said, woman, thou art loosed from thy or from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. And he said to the crowd, there are six days on which men ought to work. Therefore, come and be healed on them, but not on the Sabbath day. Well, that sounds like religion, doesn't it? Then the Lord answered him and said, hypocrite, does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it away to water it? So ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham, who Satan has bound, think of it, for 18 years be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath. And when he had said these things, all of his adversaries were put to shame, and all the multitude rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. The power of prayer to change yourself. Father, I ask that you would speak to us right now. Let your amazing word have the profundity, the depth, the the impact that we desire that it would have in our lives. We don't want to be hearers only. We want to be doers of the word. We want its, its promises to be fulfilled in our lives. We want what it calls us to do to be accomplished in our lives. We want to align ourselves with it. So we ask that you would speak to us now in Jesus' name. And everybody shouted and said, Amen. How the power of prayer enables you to change yourself. Yourself. Corin Soren uh, Kierkegaard, the great Danish theologian and philosopher, said this. Prayer does not change God, but it changes him who prays. Many of us were brought up to believe that if we prayed, it changed God, persuaded God, twisted God's arm, caused him to finally capitulate and relent and do what he actually didn't want to do. That's not what prayer does. What prayer actually does is it reaches into the heavenlies to access what he has already spoken over your life. It touches you. It changes you. Because the Bible is the book of life, it is important that we know how to understand and read and interpret the scripture. Some parts of it are pretty easy to get, like thou shalt not kill. We don't have any problem understanding that. Or thou shalt not steal or covet. Yeah, we we got those. But on the other hand, there's some places in the Bible you read and 
you, you get up and you scratch your head and say, I'm not sure exactly what that meant. Did you know that even the apostle Paul acknowledged that there were things in scripture, he spoke specifically of the writings of Paul in his epistles. He said that were so deep that they challenged him. Look at what he said. He said, our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things in which are what? Some things hard to understand. Some things in the Bible can be challenging, which untaught and unstable people can twist to their own detriment or destruction, as they also do the rest of the scriptures. Did you know the rabbis tell us that in studying the scripture, there are different levels of interpretation or understanding? I grew up to believe there was only one level of understanding in any verse, and I was quite amazed to discover that verses could have more than one meaning without doing conflict to another or being contradictory. For example, Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, right? Sermon on the Mount. That obviously means that, that peacemakers are blessed. Would you agree with that? That's what he said. That's not all it means. It also means, notice this, peacemakers, you got to make peace to experience the blessing of it. Many of us overlook that. We don't realize peace has to be made. And that is one of the other meanings of that verse. Peace doesn't just happen. Now there's a lesson that in this election season, Democrats and Republicans ought to hear. It's a word today probably for a husband and a wife in this building. You have to make peace. It doesn't just happen. I'll say it like this. My granddad years ago was a professional outdoorsman and hunter. Like I mentioned, uh, the, the, the world champion duck and goose caller. You ever hunted waterfowl, you might have used a falk duck call. That was from my, my mom's dad. Uh, he created that, that whole line of calls and then passed it on to my uncle, his son. And they, that was a family business on that side of the family. I wasn't connected with any of it, but my granddad was a market hunter. And so he'd go out and he'd hunt ducks. And, and whenever ducks would line up, he would get upset if you shot and only got one. He said, you wait till them duck, they line up. Then when you shoot, you get more than one duck for that shot. And he would line those ducks up and he'd shoot one here, but he'd have the other one lined up back there. Am I making any sense? When God gives us the word, he lines up different levels of meaning. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. We're going through, uh, you can be going through something and, and you can read the Bible and God will speak to you about what you just read. And you can draw spiritual application from that that applies to your situation. And it will guide you when actually it was a story in the Bible. But when you read that story, all of a sudden God tells you, if I did it for them, I can do it for you. And so he lifts these stories out of the Bible to give them personal application. And so this principle is found throughout the word of God. Prophets would do things like this often. They would relate stories or things that had happened to a current situation and a current word of God that God was speaking. Amen. Jesus would do the same thing when he preached. He said this, you remember the tower of Siloam that fell on these people? Were they more and right? And so he goes to take a story and he draws a spiritual parallel out of that one thing we can be certain is that the stories in the Bible 
are all there to help us grow in Christ. Could I get a word of agreement in that regard? Would you look at your neighbor and say, this book will help you grow. Would you do that? Amen. No matter how dire your situation, when you, can re- when you read some of the things like Israel crossing through the Red Sea on dry ground, Daniel in the lion's den, Lord have mercy, David killing Goliath. I don't know about you, but I faced a few Goliaths in my lifetime. Amen. And that story blesses me. I've gone through the wilderness. I've been in the lion's den. And when we look at scripture, this is the principle, 1 Corinthians 10 and 11. Stay with me because I've got a word for you. All these things, the word of God said, happened to them in those ancient times. And they were written for what? Our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. That is to say... That didn't just happen and get in the book because God was trying to teach you a history lesson. He was wanting to show you something. There are principles that can be extracted that you can apply to your life right now that will cause things to be broken open in heaven over your life where God can pour out his favor and grace, where you can touch God for your family in prayer. There are principles that you can apply found in the word of God that are life changing and transforming. This story of the lady who has been over doubled and unable to straighten up for 18 years is, is one of those great stories in the word of God that as wonderful as it is, and it's all, it stands all by itself as a miracle. It, did it happen? Yes, it did. But it speaks of more than just that woman getting healed. That story is in the word of God for you. Luke describes the miracle of her healing as an actual and real event, but there's a deeper application. This miracle has something to say that resonates with my journey and with your journey. And I read that and I relate to somebody bent over that can't straighten up. You ever been so weighted down by life you couldn't straighten up your own life? Have you ever been caught up in a trap of the enemy and you needed to straighten up and couldn't have? I'm talking to a family right now that's in trouble because you can't straighten up. Hello. Amen. I want you to see this lady who for 18 years had been bent over. Can you imagine the pain, the challenges, and what she had missed out on life? And the scripture says it plainly, Luke 13, 12. She could in no way raise herself up. And one of the things the church has to recognize is that sometimes when we're struggling, we can't raise ourselves up by ourselves. We need some help. Can I hear somebody say amen? The Bible is all about empowerment. It's amazing. Some people read the Bible and get doom and gloom out of it. I read the Bible and I say, wow, I'm empowered. I'm made stronger. Jesus wants you to know that while you can't straighten up, he can help you. Amen. And I'm talking to some people that have struggled for longer than 18 years that are in this house. It was actually privileged one time. To watch God do a real physical miracle just like this one in the Bible. I, was, I went to India to preach and I was going to some of our missionaries, the Matthews, and 
in Andhra Pradesh, India, one of their, their provinces, their states. And so I flew into Vishakhapatnam and it took me two days to get there because it was a journey. And then when I got there, I'm thinking, I'm so tired. I mean, the seats were cramped. It was a mess. The planes were crowded. I got there and I'm thinking, oh boy, that bed is calling me right now. And I wanted to go sleep. And James and Matthew said, you got 45 minutes. We're leaving to go preach a crusade. And I said, what? He said, yeah, we got about a four hour drive. We're going to a village that has never heard the gospel before. And I was, I was getting a little resentful. My flesh was rebelling. And right then I wasn't thinking about lost people in India. I was thinking about sleep that was lost. I'm serious. And so I, I took a shower and got dressed, grumbling to myself. He picked me up. We drove. They called them roads. I don't know really how they managed to get that name for them. But we were in a four-wheel drive, and we ended up at a village. And everybody in the village was there four hours later. 8,000 people. And I was on autopilot. And they, had, they sang a few songs, turned it over to me, and I got up to preach. And I noticed way over there, there was a commotion while I was preaching. And then another one over here, and then right in here. And I went in and preached my sermon and gave the altar call. And everybody in the crowd came forward all 8,000 people and as they were praying it's then that I learned what was actually going on it wasn't me I'm going to tell you up front but while I was preaching those disturbances the people that were actually the ones involved in it came up and called the missionary who's also Asian Indian and said brother Matthews this is what happened and the village demoniac who was a lady got delivered while I was preaching nobody even prayed for another man that was blind got healed you say I don't know if I believe that come to India with me sometime amen God does things there because there the desperation is so great there are people that are bent over but this is what was the most amazing there was a former who had been bent over for 12 years in this position he had injured his back and he couldn't straighten up and while I was preaching he just suddenly went like this and the whole crowd was going crazy because in a village that small everybody knows everybody or at least knows one another's family I'm preaching today because I want you to know something. When Jesus shows up, he can help you straighten up. Amen. Can somebody give him a praise right now? Hallelujah. We're in a season of prayer and I want you to notice where this occurred. It didn't happen at home. It didn't happen in the market. It happened at the house of prayer. When you come to the house of prayer, there are no limits to the possibilities of what God can do in your life. Several things I want to point out to you as I close. Number one, I want you to notice that first of all, her view and perspective of life was affected by being bent over. All she could see was the ground she was hobbling along on. She couldn't see the beauty, let's not forget where this is at, of the promised land she lived in. This was the promised land. 
This was what Israel had struggled to get into 1400 years before. She couldn't see the beauty. All she could see was the muck in the mire. And there are donkeys and camels and goats. And you know what happens when they're around. And, and so that's all she could see. Have you ever known people like that? They're blessed. But they can't see the blessing because all they can see is the muck in the mire. Hello? Sometimes our attitude is not what it should be. We act the wrong way, make the wrong decisions because we aren't seeing things the way they actually are. Be living in the middle of a, of a miracle and still grumble. True story. Paul Harvey told this story years ago about a man that was driving through what was at that time about the only traffic light in Kilgore, Texas. And a car ran through the intersection from the cross street and rammed into the side of this guy's car. And he was not completely unconscious. And the car was leaking gasoline. And fearing a fire, people began to try to get him out of the damaged car and away from the danger of an explosion and a fire. And the man woke up just as people were struggling to free him from the wreckage. And the accident occurred at a corner where there was a shell gasoline station. And dazed, the man looked up as he came to and suddenly began to struggle and fight furiously with his would-be rescuers and against their determined efforts. He was struggling to get away. They finally got him out of the car, his arms and legs flailing. I'm not making this up. And after he seemed to calm down, his res- one of his rescuers asked him, Sir, why were you fighting us so much when we were trying to get you to safety? And the man said, I was driving alone, minding my own business when this other car came out of nowhere and hit me. I must have been knocked unconscious because the next thing I knew there were hands pulling on me and people saying, we got you. And he said, I looked up and somebody was standing in front of the S sign on the shell station. And all I could see was H-E-L-L. And I knew I did not want to go where they were trying to take me. (laughs) Thanks, but no thanks. (laughs) Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Until you see things the way they really are. You can think the wrong thing, come to the wrong conclusion. When Jesus straightened the lady up, he changed her perspective. She was able to see the beauty of what was all around her. Oh, Lord, am I talking to somebody right now? God has blessed you and you can't even see it. People can't get themselves straightened up. They can't get their health straight, their kids straight. Their marriage straight, their finances straight. It's a constant battle. I could do, do a whole series on, on this. One other thing that we learned from the story, no doubt, is that her problem was the result of something that had happened in her past. She had been that way for 12, I mean, 18 long years. The man in India had been that way 12. 18 long years been over like this because of something that occurred in her past. She had been bound. Perhaps it was a physical injury. I don't know. She was unable to stand up properly. So many of us get hung up on things that happened in our past. 
Can you let pastor talk to you for just a moment? You're stuck because of the mistakes you made or the divorce or the business that failed, a bad childhood, somebody that did something to you, betrayed you. Can you look at your neighbor and say, let it go. Would you do that? If you're going to straighten up your life, you got to let the past go. I'm preaching better than you're responding right now. If you're going to straighten up your life, you got to let the past go. Amen. You know, people always have a reason why they don't get ahead, don't they? If it wasn't for this, I'd be ahead. If it wasn't for that, if it wasn't that person holding me back, if it wasn't for where I lived, my education or lack there, all of this, they always have a reason. Let me tell you something that will help you. Live for causes and not be causes. Don't say because of this, I can't get ahead. Don't say because of that, I'm held back. Live for causes. Get direction for your life. Make your life count in God. Number three, you can change your life by changing things that will change your future. Jesus tried to, he didn't try, he did it. He freed her to experience her future. You can't wait on others to do that for you. Have you ever noticed how many people who are perfectly willing to let you stay stuck right where you are? Oh, I'm getting real with you right now. They feel threatened if you get blessed. That's right. Leader of the synagogue. Oh, you got six days. You could have done that miracle. You show up here and Jesus said, you hypocrites. This is what the house of prayer is all about. It's about deliverance. It's about miracles. It's about breakthroughs. It's about transformed lives. Can somebody give God some praise again? Not everybody would be happy for your breakthrough either. I'm serious. There's some fat cat in a limousine right now in New York City on his way to his penthouse on Fifth Avenue who doesn't want you to get your finances straightened out because he's living on the interest of the money he loaned to you. I'm talking about systems that exist that trap us. Why do you think you get all these free credit card offers in the mail? There's somebody waiting back there. It's going to ride and live good because you're struggling from paycheck to paycheck. Straighten up your finances. God's here to help you this morning. Hallelujah. You're struggling with a drug addiction. I can promise you there's somebody doesn't want to get you, doesn't want to see you get free. That's right. There's a cartel down in Mexico. There's a pusher on the street corner. You hear what I'm saying? Somebody's living off your misery. Somebody's doing good on your pain. Don't you let anybody capitalize on your suffering anymore. Hear what I'm saying. Not everybody's going to be happy, but break through anyway. Hallelujah. Number four, prayer helps you straighten out your thinking in order for you to straighten up your life. So many of our problems really are the consequence of not living in faith and trusting God, aren't they? Prayer helps us correct our thinking. When you're in the presence of God in prayer, there's something that begins to happen. And I want to say this. God's got more to say to you than you have to say to him. When you pray, you need to learn to listen just like you learn how to talk. Many of us rush in, tell him what we need, give him our Christmas shopping list, and boom, we're gone again. I just want you to know this. People say, is this one of those prosperity gospel churches? No, we're one of those provisional gospel churches. 
We believe that God provides for your daily need. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. God will give you what you need to fulfill your assignment. He will bless you coming in and going out, sitting down and standing up. Hallelujah. Prayer helps you correct your thinking. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16. Rejoice always. Say that. Rejoice always. 99% of the time, nope. Always. You say, I can't do that. You don't know what I'm going through. Here's what he said. Pray without ceasing. (laughs) Oh, my God. How do you rejoice? Go spend some time in prayer. It'll make you forget about the problem that you had before you entered your prayer closet. Yes, it will. It'll make you forget about all that big mountain that you saw. When you come out, it looks like a little bitty molehill now. Amen. You walked into that prayer closet like a pussycat. You come out like a roaring lion. Where's the devil at? Just show him to me. You know what I mean. Amen. And everything give thanks. So this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. But you can't rejoice if you don't pray. Ephesians 6, 18, and pray in the spirit. Say that with me. Pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer and requests. Pray in the spirit. You don't just go in there and talk. You get lost in God for a little while. Like we were doing during that song that just before I came up. You get lost in his presence and I promise you it'll change your life. Number five, and I'm, I'm really about done. Prayer helps you stand up straight when you're burdened under the weight of temptation. Because people struggle with temptation, many of them are held back from what they could do for God. The truth is, want you to hear me, everybody struggles with temptation. Amen. One of the lies the enemy tells us is that There are people who are stronger than us. They're not made of the same weak stuff, the dirt we're made out of. We're weaker than they are. Listen, every one of us is weak without God. Amen. Somehow people believe that they're more subject to temptation and weaker and can't overcome it. Other believers don't have to deal with stuff that they deal with. That's just a lie of the enemy. Amen. If you will pray, God will help you. I don't care where you are. When you feel temptation come in, go straight to God. Amen. Don't focus on the temptation. Go to God. I don't think you heard me. Don't focus on the temptation. Focus on God. Amen. You focus on the temptation, it gets bigger. Yes, it does. The problem grows. It increases in size. It really does. I demonstrated this years ago at the old church. And I was talking about one of my favorite desserts. And you go to Baskin and Robbins and they have pralines and cream ice cream. But you want to make that really good. Have them do a pralines and cream root beer freeze. They put it in the blender and they mix root beer with it. Oh my heavens. You take one taste of that and your whole body goes. And. I told the church on a Wednesday night, don't you go get you one. And I kept saying it about 50 times in the sermon. They're great, but don't you go get one. You can't have one. Next morning, I went to Baskin and Robbins. This was my own little scientific experiment. I said, how'd y'all do last night? They said it was amazing. They said, just about nine o'clock, everybody flooded in here. And they were asking for the same thing, pralines and cream, root beer freeze. 
The more you focus on what you're not supposed to have, the more you want it. Focus on Him. Can I hear somebody shout hallelujah in the house today? Number six, prayer helps prepare you for what God has in store for you. In prayer, God prepares you for what he has prepared for you. Did you hear that? He prepares you for what he has prepared for you. You can't live the same way you do now at the next level. There are different levels. There are different mantles. Someday I'll talk to you about that. I teach this overseas. But there are different levels different mantles that you can that you pick up in the kingdom of God. Most of us are not living at the level of our potential. We are living at the we're we're living at the level of our not preparation but lack of preparation. Ooh. I'm sorry. Number 7, prayer helps you increase your potential. How do you increase your potential? I'm going to give you a statement. I hope it will change your life. When you give it everything you've got, God will give it everything you're not. Can somebody give him some praise right now? Stand with me. Amen. Stand with me because I, I want to close. This is what Philippians said, meant when Paul said in Philippians 3.14, I press toward the goal for the cry, prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Everybody say upward call. Would you do that? That's always where God leads you, elevates you. He never leads you down. He elevates you. And here's the secret. When you press, God does the rest. 